Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am here in Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Welcome, everybody. How's it going, Pastor Nick? Welcome. welcome. Doing all right? I know, I know. Yeah. Try, the camera's over here, camera. right? We got yeah. our lighting a little messed up. It's actually going right across my face. You see it right there? Yeah, I'm really. I can move. You see it? It's see it? Glory. See it? It's the glory. It's the glory. <laughs> Praise God, I tell you. It's, it's good. Well, welcome, everybody. Thanks for being here. As I mentioned, we are Christians with Torah. What does that mean? We're Christians. We believe in the basic Christian doctrine, salvation through faith. Jesus was di- died, buried, and resurrected by the Father uh, on the third day. He died for our sins, and that believing upon him, we are saved. Amen. So we believe in the basic Christian doctrine, but we also believe that the Bible, the whole Bible from Genesis to maps is relevant for believers today. That's right. And we put a emphasis on Torah mainly because other people aren't putting an emphasis on Torah, right? And so we say that if we can learn the teachings and instructions of God, we will live better, more fulfilled, more impactful lives for the kingdom of God. Amen. And uh, for the last four years, or the first four seasons, I should say, we did the Torah portions. And so if you're looking for a specific portion of Scripture in the Torah, all the way from Genesis through Deuteronomy, uh, there is an episode for that, right? Four different episodes for each portion of Scripture in the Torah. It's amazing. It is. It's amazing it's already there, right? And so some of them are audio only. You can get us on uh, the podcast app on Apple, uh, the Google podcast app, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Um, but also for the last two years or two seasons, we've done it on YouTube as well. And so you can catch it there. And so there's a tour portion season there. And then this year we've been doing the gospel of Matthew. Now, before we get into Matthew, I want to mention that we are in a moment in time that is very significant, right? So right now it's the counting of the Omer. And it just so happens that leading up to Shavuot, to Pentecost, uh, the church at large, right? The body of believers, especially in the West, has made a proclamation of doing 21 days of prayer and fasting for the nation of Israel and for the city of Jerusalem, which to me is like, blows my mind. Um, IHOP Kansas City is actually, I think, the the one spearheading this. You can go to Isaiah62fast.com, and that way you can get all the information, the prayer points and things like that. Uh, about the prayer and fasting for 21 days. But um, I think it's super important that we take a, a look at this and get really serious. So, so already, I want to say it's over 5 million people are committed to praying and fasting. And it started May 7th. For 21 days, correct. May Start. 7th to May 27th, which is that night is Shavuot. Right. And uh, so for 21 days, people are praying and fasting for the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem yes. uh, with a focus on Isaiah 62. And people are spending at least an hour a day and fasting in some way, shape, or form, and we too are participating. And so I just want to say uh, that if you're, you're listening to this, 
Now is the time to favor Zion, right? What is it? That's like what? Psalm 102. Now is the, yeah. t- the set time has come to favor Zion. And so point your prayers towards the east, towards Jerusalem. Pray that God will, will send his presence there, that he'll bring his house there, that the dwelling place of God it will be with men. The tabernacle of God is with and that's men. That's where the coming back. Restoration of the tabernacle of David. That's right. All of those good things. So um, without further ado, though, I want to get into our study today. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27. We're going to do verses 27 through 44 today. And uh, we're going to start with verses 27 through 31. Jesus is yes. mocked by the soldiers. Yes. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. Man, you know... Um, I was almost weeping, you know, when I was reading this, preparing for our Monday night study, because I was just like, I was thinking about Yeshua. What a mockery. Just being mocked. Mocked. I, I think of... But he's the king. That's what I mean. That's like a, it's like a, it's like a, a slap in the face. What an awful situation. But he allowed it. Yeah. You know, this is... I know. I mean, remember when he told Peter, when Peter cut that guy's ear off, he says, don't you think that if I wanted to, I could call down a legion of angels? Yeah. Like, like I don't need to defend myself, right. right? This this has to happen so yeah. that the prophecies will be fulfilled. Oh, you the creator. foolish and slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Oh, that the creator would go through that for us. Man. And we can't even put up with anybody. I'm not, look, I, obviously crucifixion is a horrible way to die. A physically torturous death, the mocking, though, to me. The mocking part, to me, is just like, ah, uh, you're mocking the Son of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The one who made us. And he's allowing it. The one who made us. I know. That's a mystery. To save us from I, our I can't sins. Figure that out. He's allowing it to save us from our sins. That's a mystery. It's because we still have the sin of pride. Like we're still wrapped up in our own pride. Like he has a mission. He's like, this is what has to happen in order for my mission to be finished and fulfilled. Because sin was so bad, he had to be mocked and beaten. And so that's why, you know, otherwise, you know, that's not his kingdom. We're not going to see any of that when he comes to No, Ryan. the second time he comes, yikes. Yeah. It's going to be bad for those that did, did these so things. So what do you got for me? All right. So. Um, here and it says that, that and they gathered unto him a whole band of soldiers, right? So they grab Jesus and they gather a whole band of soldiers. Now a band of soldiers, um, some scholars say, refers to a division of the Roman legion containing about 200 men. Wow, so 200 men were mocking him and looking. and just, That's, a lot, of, that's lot a lot of spectators. A lot of dudes. And of course the common hall that he was taken to, it's, it's the governor's house. Right. You got to go to the governor's house. Right, right, right. Well, because it says it's the praetorium. Right. right, so in the other versions, it takes this common hall, and, and I think it um, translates it praetorium. And that's why, like, some some of these um, Roman officials were called praetor, right? They right. call them praetor this, praetor that. Um, but the common hall was, was the praetorium. So this is this is the place where the governor lived, but it's also where he worked, right, and had, um, right. you know, judged, did all the things that he did. So mm-hmm. uh, Roman soldiers in Jerusalem were infamous for playing cruel games with condemned prisoners, particularly insurrectionists. Now, 
uh, insurrectionist is referring to people that are are uprising against the government, in Anarchy. this case, Rome, uh, where, where they're trying to throw off the Roman insurrections. Uh, rule over where they're at. And so you would think of like the zealots and other people uh, were being crucified in order to stop other people from doing the same. Right. Because imagine if you're a zealot and you're going to come against Rome, you know, and you die in battle. Now you're a martyr that died this glorious death, f- dying in the fight, right? But if you're captured as as one of these folks, and then they publicly humiliate you, play right. games with you, torture you, right. crucify you, and you're in agonizing pain for days on end while you True. slowly die, right? Um, this is going to be a much bigger deter- uh, deterrent than if you just right. die in battle as and, and get glorified as a martyr. So... Uh, things that they did included dressing them in costumes and moving them around on a huge game board as a game piece. Uh, still, their actions spoke louder than they knew. The one they dressed and hailed as a king was truly a king. He was the crucified king. Yeah. Now, Mark and John described the same cloak that they put on uh, Yeshua as uh, purple, but uh, colors were not as clearly distinguished as they are today, and the dyes varied. So a violet-red cloak might be called scarlet by one, right, and purple by others. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I saw a good example of that last night. Um, someone in our our study group, Tammy, was wearing, like, a purple-scarlet shirt. It was one, like, on the border of that, where it could have been, like, a reddish, dark, dark red-scarlet, or it could have been a purple. Right in your circle. Right there in my circle, a good example of that. So, now... Uh, bringing this into the present, many people still mock Christians for their faith. But obviously believers can take courage from the fact that Jesus himself was mocked great, uh, as greatly as anyone, even more so, right? Taunting may hurt our feelings, but we should never let it change our faith. I mean, look what he went through, and then they crucified him. Like, we may get, you know, poked at, made fun of, right. you know, whatever, but, you know, we're not being nailed to a cross. Praise God that it hasn't come to right. that at this point. So, um, verses 30 and 31, it says, they also, they spit upon him. They took a reed, right, as like a scepter, and put it in his hand uh, and smote him on the head with it afterwards. And then they had, after they had mocked him, they took the robe off and put his own clothes back on him and led him away to crucify him. Now, what's interesting is in Isaiah uh, chapter 50, verse 6, we can find the prophecy uh, about people spitting on the Messiah. Uh, and it says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. And that's the prophecy. That's the prophecy. Which, imagine, I mean, Yeshua didn't like, it's not like he's like, hey guys, don't forget to spit on me and pull out my beard. It's horrible. This is happening to him, and then what if it, I grabbed your beard? That's terrible. But obviously, the Gentiles don't know these prophecies, right? These Romans don't know these prophecies. That's right there. They're just doing these this things. This is where we have to say them. And it's fulfilling these prophecies. So you go back and you look, and you're like, "I know the Lord is in this because yeah. it's fulfilling the I words gave He gave back the prophet." To the smiters. I mean, that's a prophecy in Isaiah, right? That was fulfilled, right? How could that represent the nation of Israel, like Isaiah 53 or something? That's uh, a person. Yeah, 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 I got you. I gave my back to the smiters. Mm-hmm. Right. Agreed. So we're moving on now to Matthew chapter 27, verses 32 through 35. This is Jesus' crucifixion. I'm going to read, starting at verse 32, and it says, 
Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Wow. You're up. Man. All kinds of stuff going on. Prophecies. I know. Wow. Jesus' crucifixion. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. Well, Cyrene was a region in North Africa with a large Jewish population. Simon was likely a Jew who had traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Now look what he's caught up in. Imagine. Just going to celebrate the feast, and yeah. now all of a sudden he gets caught in controversy. Yeah, what's the worst that could happen, you know? So Jesus was severely weakened from the scourging and loss of blood and was therefore unable to carry his cross, which weighed 30 to 40 pounds. The skin and muscles of his back would have been severely lacerated, and he could have suffered severe injury to his internal organs. Mm -hmm. You know, that he survived the flogging was quite a miracle, you know, the whole flogging thing, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So this guy is forced to carry Yeshua's cross. So. Um, discuss why Yeshua told us to carry our cross. And I have here, this is what came to my mind, basically. We can carry our cross because Yeshua carried his, and that is our example. Yeah. You know, uh, to carry our cross. So, I mean, is that difficulties in life? Is that our sins? Is that our troubles? It's a good or is question. It, or is it like the title of Christian means a little Christ? So like, he said that even before. He does. You, he you was, actually gave us here yeah, on the Matthew notes. Yeah, Matthew 10, 38. Two cross 16, references. 16, 24, before he went to the cross. So uh, in Matthew 10, 38, it says, And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. So, um, you know, in order to be worthy of Yeshua, it says that you have to take up your cross and follow him. So... I found that interesting. I thought that the cross-reference in 1624 and even the verses after that uh, give a better understanding. Because if you, if you pull it up, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me or follow me, right, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of the Man will, not, uh, will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. So this is interesting, right? We know that there's a reward for works. I'm not preaching a works-based salvation. So the salvation. world hates Jesus, they're going to hate you. So, so take up your cross. When I think about denying myself, I understand the concept of denying myself, right? So like for for the denial of self. Why do we do that? Well, we do it because we're selfish and what we want, we're just going to go, I mean, for dudes, right? We're going to go after women, money, power, whatever it is to elevate ourselves up, right? But we deny ourselves and follow him. And then now we're working for the kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And so we're looking to elevate Yeshua. So taking up your cross is an unselfish act. 
Well, I think taking up your cross, because obviously we're not taking on his cross. We can't no, take on the no, sin of the world. No. But God has appointed each of us a burden to carry, and I, I perceive that that is carrying the cross is being obedient to the calling that God has put on our lives. So if right. he's called us for a purpose and told us to do these things, we need to do those things. Right. And in such, there may be adversity that we face, and I would venture to say that's the cross that we bear, right, that we carry. That's true. That's good. That's good. And so it goes on to say, and when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. Yeah. Very interesting. We're going to develop this. Golgotha is a transliteration of the Aramaic word for skull. Interesting. It may have been given this name because it was a place of execution or because the area had a number of tombs, or possibly because the site in some way resembled a skull. And you can see this when you go into the garden tomb uh, example that they have. It's controlled by the British, the, the English there. Um, when you go in there and you sit, you can see where right next to this place is like a bus station. And if you look over the hill there, you can see this looks like a skull with the eye sockets, the nose, the bones of the nose. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, uh, you could actually pull it up as an image as well. And it goes on to say that vinegar mixed with gall was offered to Jesus to help reduce his pain, but Jesus refused to drink it. Gall is generally understood to be a narcotic that was used to deaden pain. Jesus would suffer fully conscious and with a clear mind. Matthew twenty seven thirty four. Yeah, very interesting. Imagine having a splitting headache before you go to bed. Yeah, you just say, "I'm just going to go to sleep." No, you yeah. go get the ibuprofen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you take it. And you take it. And you go to sleep. Um, you know, the gall is most likely a derivative of the poppy seed, right? So this would have been like morphine esque, you know, something along those lines. And it says that it was, like, in, in the New King James, my translation note says sour wine, but then it kind of clarifies with a note and says that the older manuscripts um, don't have the sour part in it, right? It says it, it omits sour. So it's wine, possibly, mingled with gall, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, who on a cross is going to refuse a little alcohol to take the edge off and some gall to relieve the pain. You know what I'm saying? And Yeshua, in his wisdom, knowing that it would have diminished the work that he did on the cross for all, all ages, right? For the, the pain of sin. Right. The real that pain. That he experienced the full, fullness of the that The real pain. pain of sin. Yeah. And, and as we reflect on talking about sin, then we can look at God's attributes of being holy. You know, it says, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture did they cast lots. Crucifixion was widely practiced by the Romans and the early Jewish historian Josephus mentions thousands of people crucified in first century Israel, mostly during rebellions against Rome. People think that these are the worst of times. We don't have people crucified up there on Lithia Pinecrest Road no, or coming we don't. to our church, yeah, just yeah. hanging there. Kids, don't look. And these were main thoroughfares into the city. You, you had to probably look down to keep your... Yeah. And, and not see it. But that was just a way of life. I mean, you could probably get numb from that. 
It's awful. It's numb, awful. you know. I know yeah. it is. Now, this is where it gets to be very interesting because talking about suffering and pain, modern medical explanations for the cause of death on a cross have focused on either asphyxiation or shock. Crucifixion was widely believed to be the worst form of execution due to the excruciating pain and public shame. Hanging suspended by one's arms eventually caused great difficulty in breathing, which could be alleviated by pushing up with one's feet to take the weight off the arms. But that motion itself would cause severe pain in the feet, arms, legs, and back, causing the exhausted victim to slump down again, only to be nearly unable to breathe once more. Eventually, the victim would succumb to suffocation if he had not already died as a result of the cumulative effect of the physical trauma inflicted on him. Oof. Some medical practitioners or doctors or people that would do autopsies or different things uh, would say um, that Jesus died of a, of a heart attack, broken heart, uh, which is something to think about as well. As they stabbed him with a spear and blood and water came out, it's a sign of a heart attack because the heart's taken on water. Mm -hmm. So there's some medical... Uh, conditions there that we could look at. You know, he, he died of a broken heart. Uh, the soldiers customarily took the clothing of those they crucified. These soldiers cast lots and divided Jesus's clothing among themselves, fulfilling the prophecy made by David in Psalm 22, verse 18. Much of Psalm 22 parallels Jesus's crucifixion. And this is, of course, looking at Matthew 27, 35, the uh, crucifying him, casting lots uh it's interesting too i was reading an article in a christian magazine and it was actually talking about and by the way we're going to see psalm 22 a number of times in this particular portion of scripture because it's a messianic psalm well it, it describes yeah. what happened to yeshua it, it does and so what's interesting in this article it was saying that father forgive them for they know not what they do that he was he was actually even regarding the roman soldiers doing all this to him Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Yeah. They don't know what they're doing. They're just following rules. They're, they're with the government. You know, I'm, Hi, I'm with the government. I'm here to help you. Well, he, said, he didn't say that. You know, he says the Father sent the Son into the world, right, so that the world would not be condemned, but that the world would be saved. You know, he didn't say because so that the Jews would be saved. He said the world. So those Roman soldiers are among the people that God sent his Son to die and it for. Said, and Jesus prophesied. He said, I'll be handed over to the Gentiles. Right. So it was going to lead up to that. So let's jump into, uh, I'm going to read, um, it's my turn to read and then you can take it over. Uh, King of the Jews. Wow. Matthew 27 verses 36 through 40. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Mm. What a mockery. Wow. It, this, and again, I still think the mockery. Why would he want to come down? If they did all that to him, why would he even want to come down? What, what, what for? Because that's, you know, that's one of the lies. Well, to save that himself. he didn't die on the cross. He was taken down and he survived. He lived and he married Mary Magdalene had kids. I mean, these are the stories. Such silliness. I know. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, there's, there's, 
there's a group of people out there that believe that they're like descendants of the family of, of Yeshua. I forget what they call them. There's a name for them. Like a, it starts with an E. I forget what it is. If you know, put it in the comments. That would help me out. Um, Give us some feedback, would you? Yeah. So it says, uh, and sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Now remember, that's, that's awesome. he's an accused insurrectionist when it comes to the Roman law, and that's how they were able to crucify him. Right. Because so they're it, mocking him. Yeah, you remember oh, last you're the king. Last study we did, uh, either last week or the week before, the Jews. Uh, I say the Jews. The Sanhedrin, right? The the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were accusing him of blasphemy. But what difference does that make to the the Romans? The Romans are like, we don't like your God either. <laughs> you know, yeah, they right. blaspheme Caesar's God. Face. Caesar's yeah. God. So they had to accuse him of insurrection that he was rising up an army, raising up an army to overthrow the Romans in order to get them to kill him. And so now all that's being told to this band of soldiers, they don't know who this guy is, right? All that's being told to this guy is is that, oh, this is one of those Jewish guys that's raising up an army to come and kill you, you soldiers, right? And so now they're messing with them and doing all this stuff. So if that's not bad enough, the, the, the religious leaders even show up, you know, to start giving him trouble, you know? So the accusation, the accusation, right, king of the Jews, uh, was written on a placard above Yeshua's head as a deterrent against any who would dare rise up against Rome. It is written in three languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So they really wanted to get this message across. But not Hebrew. Yeah, well, Aramaic, Aramaic, yeah, is a derivative of Hebrew. That's to argue about the language of the time. But if you think about it, this is at the Passover now. So this is a big public spectacle with millions of people flooding into Jerusalem. Yeshua is being uh, crucified in a very public place where lots of people are seeing it. So they put three languages on it. So everyone knew that this is who he was, right? So then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and one on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Now, uh, Hebrews thirteen twelve says that Jesus was crucified outside the gate, obviously referring to the city gate. And those who passed by probably included many pilgrims who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover. They mocked Yeshua's claim of supernatural power, wagging their heads, was alluding to Psalm 22, yeah, verse 7. Yeah, the Messianic Psalm, Psalm 22. And, you know, they're, think about it. If you are looking for a messianic figure and you're a Jew in the time of Yeshua, Yeshua being on a cross doesn't add any credibility to his his messiahship. If you're looking for somebody that's going to overthrow the Roman government, like, well, they got him. He's stuck on the tree now. That's obviously not the guy. You know, I'm, I'm sure that that's what's going through the minds of a lot of the onlookers that are you know, wagging, because he's saying, forgive them, right? For they know not what they do. This is the reason why he has to say because they don't know what they're doing, right? They, they, they don't know Yeshua. They don't know that he's literally dying for you know, their sins. You know, th- think about it like this, though. Think about having a friendship with somebody that is so powerful that you'll never forget it. Oof. So here's the thing, and I, I was just really thinking about this, because when the angels fell with Lucifer, one-third of them or whatever it was, when they rebelled against Yahweh, they violated his trust, and there was no forgiveness, no redemption for them, no salvation, only for man. Yeah. So God creates this place for them, hell. Yeah. 
and where they're you know some are locked up in chains and waiting the judgment but you know the rule of this world has been judged but the bottom line is that you know hell was not created for man but man chooses to go there right so just to make a long story short my thing is this we're going to be so indebted to the lord in heaven for all that he did for us so that we could enjoy it with him yeah you know it's almost like um remember when uh david King David took in one of the relatives of King Saul, who was a cripple. I forget his name. But he took him in and says, you're going to sit at my table. I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. He was, he was uh, you know, handicapped. Right. You know, so when you think about what Is this God, about Yeah. When, when you think about, okay, after a thousand years, there's going to be a new heaven, new earth. Well, then what about after that? See? Yeah. Think about it. We're eternal beings right now. Yeah. If you just stop and keep everything in perspective, like, okay, this is where it gets me. God is asking me to be a part of something. Wow. Yeah. That he wants right now. That's right. Between him and I. So this is why things have to happen in our life to draw us to him. When we get into trouble, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. So I'm just thinking about, you know, when he does come back to rule and reign or, or if I go to be with the Lord. I'll be forever indebted to him, and I'll see the wounds. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna hang out forever, and God's gonna do cool things, and we get to watch and take part. And that's why He created the angels as like a family. Yeah, if, for those that are listening or watching, one of the greatest books you could ever purchase or get—that's all my—I'd say my top five at least—is "What Does God Want" by Dr. Michael Heiser. Yeah, God wants a family. That's right. So now look at what we're witnessing. The teardown of the family, redefining the family, same-sex marriage. You've got transgenders now. Now we got—I don't know if I'm male or if I'm a female. You know, well, biologically speaking, God's decided that in the beginning. Yeah. Now you're trying to change it, and so you can hear horror stories about this. But I'm just looking at this, like King of the Jews. Like he was—he was a deplorable. I mean, he was—he was so mocked and beaten and pain and, and mental anguish, physical anguish and i'm just thinking man um he's at the epitome of the holy of holies of a holy god righteous god and he has to go through the worst thing that he could ever imagine going through because that's not his character or even who he is because he made us he takes the responsibility isn't it funny how nobody wants to take responsibility for anything today oh yeah but yet jesus took responsibility for us even for things he oh, wasn't you responsible ate, you for. ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil i kicked you out of the garden now there's death and there's sickness but you know what i'm gonna marry you i love you i'm gonna marry you and what you committed adultery on me well now i'm gonna scatter you okay now there's gonna be a scattering there's gonna be a punishment i'm gonna destroy the temple but then he says you know what i'm gonna marry you mm-hmm. again yeah, bring you back. I'm going to bring you back. How many are going to do that? Yeah. I mean, if we stop and, and have these conversations, they're deep. Yeah. They're so powerful. Who cares about Biden? Yeah. <laughs> Who cares about, you know, what's going on in Hollywood? Or whatever. It's like, who cares? Yeah, I was just let's talk about the family of God and the kingdom of God. Let's 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 really get excited about what God's going to do and where He's at and what's yeah. happening. Let's get excited about that stuff. Well, we've got to get you know. It's cool because of this twenty-one days of fasting and prayer for Israel. We've got to get our brains wrapped around the fact that it's we need to be focused on the kingdom of get God, kingdom-minded. And yeah. you know, so many people are are so focused on like the politics of America 
and you know like you mentioned joe biden and hunter biden all this stuff trump all this stuff that people get their their focus and it gives away the affection that they should be giving to the kingdom of god right because we only have so much right but unfortunately i think that you know the west is going to be sorely disappointed when when god makes jerusalem a praise in all the earth which is what's happening people are drawn to it's it. it's beginning to happen. nations are going up right. there joanne said there's a lot of people there yeah we're starting to see it um but i don't think we've seen it quite like it's going to be seen you know i mean i think i think jerusalem will be a praise in all the earth like isaiah 62 says and and america not that america will be diminished by that fact but that america is diminishing itself now right and that the relevance of america when it comes to these prophecies you know may we just be on the side of of those sheep nations you know that that yeshua when he comes can declare us. And do you have oil in your lamp? Yeah, I do. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit, right. not knowledge or information. The age of information. No, it's it's do you have oil in your lamp? Are you do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you prepared to, to go where he wants you to go and do what he wants you to do? And and, and then also, you know, at the same time, what did you do with the talents? Mm-hmm. God gave us Beit Hitler. Yep. What are we using it for? Amen. All right, your turn. All right, so I'm gonna read uh, verses forty one through forty four, the last few verses here for our study. And it says, uh, Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's tough. That's very interesting, you know. So the highest levels of Israel's establishment seek one more opportunity to insult Jesus. The religious leaders do not address Jesus directly, but turn to one another as they mock him. Yeah. It's bad enough he's he's up there dying. Well, it's like they didn't they didn't already seal their their fate enough. They got to go in like, you know, really <laughs> But see, they didn't, want to, they didn't want to kill him during Passover, but they yeah. didn't have a choice because they're on God's terms now. Right. Jesus says, I'm going to dictate the terms. That's right. So he, he exposed Judas right. to fulfill all these things because had he had not called out Judas, those prophecies would have been fulfilled. You know, it's even, it's even in the next uh, portion we're going to see of scriptures that uh, God is in control. Oh, yeah. He laid down his own life. He figured it out. When the religious leader said, he trusted in God, let him deliver him now. This can be an allusion to Psalm 22, verse 8. Once again, the Messianic Psalm. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. And that's what verse 8 is all about. Yeah. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Well, let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. I, I didn't realize that because this is what's interesting. Later, one of these criminals repented. See, they were both railing against him. Yeah. And then something happened to the one thief. He, he, he saw something. He or realized something. He realized yeah. something. And Jesus promised that the repentant criminal would join him in paradise. Luke chapter 23, verses 39 through 43. The response of this criminal has encouraged people through the centuries that anyone, even a convicted criminal, can come to faith. Also, we can see that God gives time up until death for anyone to repent and believe in Jesus. Here, Jesus does not clarify the details about heaven, 
but we can be assured that we will be with him when we die, if we acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior now. Acts 2.21 and Romans 10.13. So very interesting that this criminal would come to his senses. And, and it's interesting, you know, people say that, well, you have to be baptized in water to be, to be saved and go to heaven. You know, and it's ridiculous because here's the thief on the cross. They say, well, no, after that. I don't think it, it's not in these verses. I think it's in Luke 23. Um, but, you know, with the thief on the cross, when he repents, I don't think it's in Matthew. Right. But we, we know that one but, of them repents. But we brought it out in Luke. Right. I think yeah, it is in Luke. it's Luke 23, verses 39 Oh, it 43. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so here, let Scripture interpret Scripture. Here yeah. in these verses, 39. So Luke can add to what Matthew has. For sure. So here in verses 23, Luke 23, 39 through 43, this is one of those times where grammar would be very helpful. Right? Because uh, Yeshua tells yeah. the thief on the cross, he says, Verily, verily, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. So wherever you put the comma matters. Right? So let's imagine the comma goes before today. He says, Verily, verily, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That means like today, when we die, we're going right. straight there. Versus, Verily, verily, I tell you today, comma, you will be with me in paradise. Right. You know, it's interesting because people have different different ideas, you know, about soul sleep, soul sleep or to be absent from the body, to be present but with the I, Lord. But they, I've had, I mean, I'd have to go back and look, but they say there's actually no scriptural evidence of soul sleep per se, but maybe there is. Well, there's Abraham's bosom. Uh, so there's clearly like a hell for people that go to hell, you know, because Yeshua talks. And but we don't know like what the timing is on that. But he's the, the guy sees from whatever would be considered the dark side of Sheol, right? The dark side of Hades, the, the fiery part. He can see from the fiery part over to the good part, to where uh, this, the crippled man, um, the, the disabled man that sat, the beggar that sat at his gate, was in Abraham's bosom, right? So you can see, apparently, from hell over to there. And he's calling out, like, hey, you know, warn my brothers, you know, things like that from, right. from that story. So... You know, again, you know, people have all kinds of theories, but in this case, it seems like both of them are awake in Sheol, right? Which, who knows? Good point. Who knows? <laughs> I trust in the Lord. That's what I do. I know that there's life after death. Praise God, and that it's glorious, and that whatever he has us doing between now and the resurrection, you know, we look forward to the resurrection. Amen. Powerful. Amen. So why is it so important that Yeshua, or why is it so important for Yeshua to die on the cross instead of coming down off of it? My statement is to take away our sins, past, present, and future, so we can have eternal life with the Father. His first coming was, um, was to deal with sin, but his second coming is to rule and reign. Amen. You know, his first coming was to deal with sin. So he has to he has to die to receive the punishment for our sins. So he has the whole weight of the sin of right. the whole world, past, present, and future, on his shoulders when he gets on the cross. Right. Right. And that punishment is then taken; it's put upon him. So that's why it's important. But you know what else is even cooler? Uh, he he raises from the dead. He he gets out of the grave. So when he is in that three-day period, right, he goes and he conquers sin, hell, and the devil, right? Sin, hell, and the grave. Death, where is thy sting, you know? Right. So, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul's talking about the resurrection there, and he says, 
He says, if, if Christ doesn't, isn't raised from the dead, then you're still in your sins and your faith is worthless. Right. So this is, this is why he had to die. He had to die so that we would be able to have a relationship with him and, and with the Father in heaven. That's why. It's to restore the relationship. This was all about reconciliation. This is all about reconciliation. This is all about restoring the relationship between man and God so that we would be able to approach the throne of God and have a relationship with him, to worship him in spirit and truth, and to be able to place our petitions before him and to live with him in eternity. I mean, that's what it's all about. You know, think about how deep we can go in this, Ryan. I mean, deep is calling deep. Mm -hmm. Just think about people that just don't believe in God. Ugh, yeah. But, but we believe in God, and yeah. now we believe in his attributes, his character, yep. and we look at who we are and what we are. And so we're made in his image, like Dr. Michael Heiser said. We're God imagers. Yeah. So, so it's going to be a real challenge in, in the days ahead to be who he wants us to be and the decisions that we want to make and say. You know, That's why it's so important for us to encourage others and to hook up and to, to do the things that we're doing, to declare this thing, you know, because... Really, Beit Tehillah is like a stop sign. We're a warning. We're a sign in the last days. Listen to what the message is. Listen to what we're saying. You know, look at Monday nights. Look at the teachings, the guests. Look at what we're doing. Look what we're proclaiming. You know, we just have to really stop and and realize that my life is in his hands. What does he want from me? You know, so since he put into me that I wanted to be a priest when I was a young man, I get to be his priest. So, yeah. All right. So so what two points did you get from the? Here's my study? two points. I got two points out of this. Number one, Yeshua, the son of God, suffered mental, psychological, and physical anguish for us. Number one. Yep. Yeshua, the son of God, suffered mental, psychological, and physical anguish for us. Number two. Yeshua fulfilled his purpose by dying for our sins and renewing the marriage covenant that was broken at Mount Sinai. So really the charges were, if you go spiritually, he died because of adultery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how unfaithful are we today to our spouses or to our calling or to God? Are we unfaithful? Yes. I mean, think of how many people have come and gone out of Beit Tehila for no reason. Really, it's not a good reason. They're unfaithful. And I love what Dr. Michael Heiser says. I know I keep bringing him up. He went to be with the Lord. But he really ministered to me and showed me a lot of cool things on the journey that has helped me. I'm indebted to him. Can't wait to meet his wife and his friends or whatever. Um, But he was saying, believing loyalty. See? I love that. That's, I know, it's that's, so that's, powerful. That's that Hebrew word chesed, which is translated Believing as mercy and loving kindness. loyalty. It's like, okay, we're seeing the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles. Are we going to be trusted? Yeah. Are we going to help them and not hurt them? Are right. we really going to be honest with who we are and our faith and what we're trying to do and what they're asking of us to do just to help them unconditionally, no strings attached, yeah. you know, no, no disrespect to Judaism. And that's really what's going to be cool. Like, why are you doing this? Because I want to... And this is for you. Because of believing loyalty. Believing loyalty. Because I believe in you, and because I believe in you, I'm loyal. It's believing loyalty. I mean, it's just, that's what it is. It's powerful. That's like people question, like, what what if when you're friends with somebody and they're a good friend, even when you make mistakes or do stupid things, right? Well, it's because of believing loyalty, right? Now, you shouldn't be doing those things 
because of friends that have believing loyalty, right? Does that make sense? So we are compelled because of the believing loyalty, the chesed that God has given us through his son Yeshua, because of that, we should be avoiding sin, making good decisions, right? Uh, practicing righteousness because of his loving kindness, because of his mercy, because of his believing loyalty, not to be a disappointment to the relationship, you know? Just to chew on that and think on it, that's why, you know, there's screen addiction to our phones Ugh, and computers yeah. and television yep. and radio. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I'm saying that uh, meditation is like, you know, like what we're doing here. You know, we're going to leave this table. We're going to be thinking about oh, yeah. all these things, yep. you know. The, the religious leaders mocked Jesus. He gave his back to the smiters. They spit on him. Uh, they drew lots for his clothes, you know. He, you know, I mean, it's, it's all right there. The king of the Jews, you know, but, you know, he's Lord, but is, is he your Lord? Right. He's got to be Lord of our life. And so I like this little reprieve, this little calm before the storm, you know, when you say, oh, nothing's going on. Yeah, something's going on. Oh, yeah. It's coming. It's coming. But but like I said, it is. Th those are my two things. And All right. Like so my, my two points I've got. Uh, my first one is if Yeshua can bear an actual cross for us. We who follow him should be able to bear the burden that he puts on us. Um, I believe, again, that that burden is the calling that he puts on us, the purpose for our lives, that we should go for it, that we should, we should run with it. Um, and whatever obstacles may come, may come. You know, as Queen Esther says, if I perish, I perish. You know, that's good. Number two is Yeshua fulfilled a ton of prophecies in this portion of Scripture. That's good. Proving he is... Moshiach ben Yosef, the, the Messiah, son of Joseph, the suffering servant. Um, and we can look to, you know, Isaiah 53. We can look to Psalm 22. Uh, there's a ton of, of the, the archetype story of, of Joseph himself, um, you know, being cast into the pit and, and then being in prison and all of the things that happened, you know. They say that he fulfilled over 600 prophecies, but I've never really yeah. exhausted that list. Or no, it's some crazy amount. And, and, and a lot of those seem those lists are redundant. But I, I would say what's cool is that he left a little bit for us. I know people are like, well, why didn't he just do everything all then, you know? Well, you know, what's this whole coming back thing? And it's like, well... You know, he says he's going to lay his hand a second time, right? He's going to do this a second time. There's a second time well, coming. Well, he still had to punish it's part the, of the unbelief of the Jewish people, destroy the temple, scatter them, the punishment along with the northern kingdom and southern kingdom, the scattering. But then also it took 2,000 years to spread the good news, the right. gospel. Well, and in his mercy, he didn't <coughs> do all of those things himself when he was resurrected. He could have resurrected and in his glorified state started throwing lightning bolts, and he didn't. No. Why? Because of Hesed, because of yeah. loving kindness, because of and, believing and loyalty. Um, you know, but it proves it proves that he's Messiah, that son of, of Joseph, and then the second coming, he left a little bit for us. I'm like kind of excited because it's like, you know what? He left a little bit for me. Then I still get to see. I have a hope for the future that he's coming. You know? Right. And it's all about a person, see. And what a blessing. That's why, is. you know, people don't even know if they're male or female. They redefine marriage. I mean... There's broken families and relationships, and it's like, and, it's, and, and once again, it goes back to a person. It's all not about, good, man. It's all about a person. Yeah, not good. It's not about anything else but a person. Yeah. What kind of relationship do you have with Jesus? Right. I've learned he, he has things happen in my life, so I draw near to him. Yeah. 
you know, because I could just go my own course and go my own way and just do the straight and narrow. But you he's like, go I, 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 yeah, yeah, you can go your own way. But uh, he 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 throws a few curveballs at me. To yeah, keep oh, yeah. Me humble. And uh, boy, does he. What's yeah, good? Why don't you pray us out? <laughs> All right, Father, we just want to thank you for the counting of the Omer. Mm. We thank you for leading up to Shavuot that's coming up here, Father. And uh, uh, May 27th in the evening, we're going to be celebrating uh, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost. And we want to thank you, Father, for what you're doing. And we just want to thank you for your favor. And we thank you for finances. We thank you for health, traveling mercies, and protection, all the things you've given us, Father. We don't ask for it. We thank you for it. You are a good, good Father. We thank you for this congregation. We ask you, Father, to uh, build a strong community here and to, for us to raise the next generation, that they will speak the very oracles of you, our sons and daughters. And this will be a, a house of restoration. This will be a house of, of prayer and praise and the word. And we thank you, Father, for this, that we're going to be connecting with other churches and other pastors. And there's going to be a real, uh, a real revival, awakening uh, for the church to go to the next level in regards to your people, the chosen people, Israel, the Jewish people, and the city of peace, Yerushalayim. So we lift this up to you, Father, and we thank you, Father, for what you're doing. And we once again, we thank you for giving us the personnel to do it. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, guys, don't forget to pray for Israel. Uh, you're, you're joined by like five million other people around That's the awesome. world. For an hour a day, yeah. fasting and praying for Israel. Today is day three of the day we're recording this, which is what, May 9th? And uh, I think it's, yeah, May 9th. A little side note, I think somebody has a birthday coming up too. May 11th, 56 yeah. years old. The address here is 1705 Lithia Pinecrest, Brandon, Florida, <laughs> 33511. If you want to send something to Pastor Nick for his birthday. 56, it's good. Yeah. It's been good. I can't drive 55, so I'm 56. Ah, there you go. There you go. All right, well, listen, if you want to reach out to me, Put a comment in the in the comments, or you can email me at ryan at We'll get back to you. Bless you. Have a great week.